What's good? What's good? It's time to ball about the South with C. Wood. Another jam-packed episode is coming your way, and I definitely want to thank you for coming in to join me for another episode of Ball About the South. Ball About the South, that sports podcast where it's all sports and real Southern flavor. I am Kerry Wood, but just call me C. Wood for short, at C. Wood on sports on Twitter and IG. That's where you can find me. And again, like I said, we have a lot to discuss here in this episode jam-packed episode that it is of course talking mostly football and we'll we'll get into a couple other things uh during this episode WNBA is in the second game we're about to hit the third game of the WNBA finals we've got to get into some of that between the Las Vegas Aces and the Connecticut Sun we'll get into some of that we'll talk a couple other things but it's a mostly um yeah, mostly football show. There's no question about that. With you know coming out of last weekend where we had our first full weekend, first full football weekend, meaning we had action on Saturday, the colleges, and we had action on Sunday. Actually, we had action on Thursday and Sunday this past weekend, and of course the Monday night game as well, which was a quite interesting game to say the least. But uh, so, yes, this is the first full weekend of football that we've had here in 2022. Again, I do appreciate you coming in. I do hope that you, uh, as you came in, I hope you hit that subscribe button so this won't be the last time that you come in. If if you like what you hear, if you don't like what you hear, I still hope that you will give me a rating on Spotify or Apple. Obviously, I hope it's that five-star rating. Uh, I definitely would hope it to be that five-star for sure, but... If you don't think I deserve a five-star and it's a four-star or four-and-a-half-star or whatever it is, I would definitely still like to hear what you think about Ball About the South. And uh, again, I just uh, definitely hope that you will make Ball About the South with C. Wood a part of your regular podcast listening, um, you know, on a weekly basis or whatever, however you do it. Anyway, man, without further ado, let's get into this thing. Again, we're going to talk. Obviously, we're going to get into some SEC football and all that. We'll get into uh, the NFC and AFC South, what we saw this past weekend, what we're going to see coming up this weekend. We'll get into all of that. And we're going to give out some game balls. We're going to give out game balls in the SEC and the NFL, and we also talk to HBCUs around here as well. And so um, we got some things to talk about on that front as well. And then we're going to give out a game ball, basically my Kind of my pick right now of uh, who balled out the most in this past weekend's uh, action. Anyway, man, we'll. <laughs> uh, I could go so many places to start this show off. I, I could. I mean, there, there are a plethora <laughs> of uh, places that I could go, but I'm going to start in the state of Texas, and uh, we're going to start in Austin, Texas to be exact in that game that we saw Saturday between the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Texas Longhorns obviously it was a uh, long awaited matchup you know very uh, much anticipated no question about that and you'll see that by the, uh, the, the TV numbers the ratings were like uh, pretty doggone good to say the least 10.6 million people I believe is the number that watched that football game 
at 11 o'clock in the morning. Well, it was 11 o'clock where I live. Now, of course, if you live in, you know, Atlanta or New York on the East Coast or somewhere like that, it was 12. So that made it a little bit better. But if you're on the West Coast, it was 9 o'clock. <laughs> so I don't know how, you know, the... Uh, the geographics broke down or whatever, but still 10.6 million, I think, uh, obviously it was the most this past Saturday of any game, most watched game or whatever. And I'm, I would definitely think it had to be up there, uh, if not at the top, right near the top of the top watched game so far here in the 20, uh, 2022 season. So let's get into this thing. And obviously Alabama came into this game with 20... 20 and a half, 21 point favorite. However you got it, whenever you got in on it, that was about the number that came in. And obviously, Alabama did not <laughs> come near that. As a matter of fact, they didn't even score 21 points. <laughs> they had scored 20. But it was enough to win the football game, 20 to 19, over a very tough Texas Longhorns team. And, and yeah, I'm going to just kind of just briefly get into this, and we'll talk a little bit deeper maybe about it. In my all uh, uh, in my around the SEC segment, but uh, again, it was some of the same things. We kind of talked about it briefly last week. Uh, that some of the same things that we saw last season with this Alabama football team on the road came back to haunt them again in Austin, Texas, this past Saturday. Now, actually, it was <laughs> probably probably a little bit worse. The only thing Alabama did not do on um, this past Saturday was turn the ball over. I mean, that was about the only thing that they did not do. But you talk about penalties, you talk about uh, missed assignments, bad play calling. Um, obviously, you know they've got Brian or uh, Bill O'Brien on the hook big time again for that. And, and you know, I've I've kind of been a guy that's sort of been in this corner to a degree I mean not fully but to a degree where I didn't really want him to be fired I just wanted you know some adjustments to be made by this dude but so far he's not making them but when I saw Saturday uh, some of what I saw Saturday was not good from Bill O'Brien I'm just going to put it like that uh, you know but again some of those same things came up again This you know in this football game and this Again, I think it's, it's it is definite cause for concern. Now, I don't think there's any question about that. Alabama has not played a good road game, uh, a full road game in over over a season. Because even the game last year that they played against Mississippi State, that was the only game that they kind of looked like themselves. They won that game forty nine to nine. They got off to a kind of slow start in that game, too. So they really didn't play a full 60 minutes in that game either. So still waiting for that to happen on the road. Now, as far as Texas goes, uh, we all heard about how Sarkeesian was talking about they had the game playing in for the last three months and all that. And it looked like it. Texas looked like the more prepared team. They looked like the more confident team at times. Um, but... I think kind of some some of that was kind of after some of the bad play calling from Bill O'Brien. After a couple of those drives kind of stalled for Alabama. After you know, especially after that drive, well, it wasn't a drive; it was just one play where Jace McClellan took that thing all the way for eighty-one for that eighty-one yard touchdown. 
After that, Alabama did nothing on, on offense until the fourth quarter. And I think it was really the start of that came down to some of that play calling on third down, second and third down from Bill O'Brien calling these screens. I mean, there was one instance where he called two screens in a row to out to the wide receivers. The first screen, there wasn't even anyone out there to block for the dude. <laughs> I guess this guy was just supposed to make, uh, you know, make all the moves himself and get and try to get extra yardage. And obviously, he he uh, can't remember. I think it was uh, Prentice, if I'm not mistaken, that caught that pass. He lost yardage on that play. Then you go right back again the next play, and you throw a bubble screen. Now, actually, they had some, you know. He had some help on that on the on the side that time, but obviously, if you throw the ball to the left, it was on the left hash mark. So you, they threw the ball. Bryce threw the ball to the left sideline to Prentice on second down or first down, whichever whichever down it was. Then the next down, obviously, you're going to be way over on that left hash mark, and you throw it over to the same direction again. And this is a bubble screen, but I mean, obviously, you don't have enough real estate over there. <laughs> To make any room for this guy to make a cut for the uh, the other receivers that were out there to really uh, go out and locate blocks and things of that nature, it's terrible play calling. And there, there, that was only one instance. So once Alabama got caught up in some of that and started losing some of the juice that they had early in the game, Texas was able to take advantage of it. And I think the momentum stayed with them. But just Alabama was fortunate, man. They one, I guess they were fortunate that Ewers, the quarterback, was injured. But then I think they were just fortunate after that, man. Texas could not uh, capitalize. They they would get inside the red zone or whatever. I think they got there like four or five times. And you see that they only scored 19 points for the whole game. There were you know, at least two or three times they got inside there and they had nothing to show for it. So, again, really strange-looking football game, and it just goes right back to everything that we saw last year from this Alabama football team on the road. So we'll see how they come back from that. One thing about it, though, if you want to look, if you're going to look bad, especially on the road, well, or wherever, doesn't matter if you're at home or on the road, you rather look bad and actually get the win. That didn't hold up for Texas A&M, and they were at home. <laughs> As we stay in the state of Texas, the Texas A&M Aggies looked bad. I mean, extremely bad. Worse than, definitely worse than Alabama looked. And they were at home to Appalachian State out of the Sun Belt Conference, and you know, you want to have that. You know, it's nothing wrong with having that lesson. You know, it's like okay, you know what, or that that wake up call say okay you know we've got to we got to change some things man we got to tweak some things here we got we got to make some changes there to get where we want to at the end of the season you want to do that when you win the football game you don't want to have that happening when you lose and Texas A&M went through that this past Saturday with that 17-14 loss to Appalachian State out of the Sun Belt Conference wow I mean just <laughs> crazy man and and again I don't it's not necessarily the point of where this team lost the game it was how they lost it 
I mean, because, because let, let's just be real about it. I mean, Apple, Appalachian State, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and give props to some of these schools in 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 the lesser known conferences, the Group of Five conferences, because they deserve it. There is a, a lot of good football played in those conferences that doesn't get the notoriety, it doesn't get the the press. Uh, you know. We don't see it as often because obviously we're you know we've got the Power Fives conferences uh, you know fed to us more than anything else. But those dudes get after it, and the one thing that they do have is they have a lot of experience. They have juniors and seniors on their football team on their roster, whereas a team like Texas A&M again, who is recruited very well, got a lot of youngsters on that team, a lot of uh, sophomores, a lot of freshmen, and even. When there is a junior or a senior, a lot of times it's their first or second year playing. So, again, you had a lot of experience on that Appalachian State team. Still no excuse for Texas A&M to lose that football game there. Not in front of a hundred and whatever thousand Aggie fans. Uh, there's no excuse. And you sit there and you talk about <laughs> these uh, draft classes. I mean... Everybody wants to talk about the number one overall class last season. I mean, this team, Texas A&M, has not been below, what, five, six, seven in the last four or five years. I mean, they've been in the top five, six, or seven in the rankings every year. So where's all this talent? I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not seeing it. And I'm especially not seeing it at the quarterback position. I mean, Haynes King is the guy that Jimbo Fisher decided upon. And uh, let's be real about it, this dude's not getting it done. He's not. So, it, you know, it makes you wonder, well, where's Max Johnson? Why has he not tried him out to transfer from LSU? I don't know. Man, I, I tell you what, Jimbo, <laughs> Jimbo better figure it out really quick. That's all I can say. I mean, I, I'm not a big Jimbo Fisher fan. I've said so. I mean, not, you know, I'm not going to say I don't I don't know him personally or anything like that. Not the man. I'm just talking about the football coach, and I just think that uh, this dude is getting paid nine, nine and a half million or $9.25 or whatever it is, and I'm just not seeing, you know, I'm not seeing uh, – where he should be getting paid that kind of money. I just don't see it. I mean, he is, uh, you see the, the mess that he made, in my opinion, that at least that he had a hand in at Florida State. And now he's working on the same thing at Texas A&M. This dude has got, had all those top classes and you can't find a quarterback that you, you know, do, <laughs> that on your own. I mean, yeah, he, he, he recruited Haynes King, but I mean, he, this dude doesn't look like the guy so far. So we'll see how it goes and take it in Aggie land. I'm tell you what, the schedule does not get any easier. They have the Miami Hurricanes coming in, the two and old Miami Hurricanes coming in to Aggie land next weekend, and then after that it's Arkansas, and then you got Alabama. It could get really ugly there in uh, College Station if things don't change real fast. Uh, so man, again that was huge over the weekend no question about that and you know so you sit there and you look at some of those upsets and that was a huge upset right there with Appalachian State beating Texas A&M 
It didn't stop in college. It decided it wanted to spill over into the NFL. (laughs) It wanted to spill over into the NFL and specifically the AFC South. That's unfortunate for one fan base, and we're going to get into that, man. And a lot more, man. We're going to get into some NFL again, like I said, break down all of the games in the NFC and AFC South. We'll talk some more college football as we go around the SEC. We're going to get into the HBCUs, that huge matchup in Memphis, Jackson State and Tennessee State. We're going to get into some of that and some Dion remarks. I mean, I gotta, we're going to talk about a lot of that, man, when Ball About the South continues. Okay, y'all, we're back in. Ball about continues, and we'll we'll talk a little bit of college. We'll get back into that. A lot more to talk about in the college ranks before we get done with the show. But let's get into some NFL. Man, like I said, the bug was definitely in College Station, Texas, and that thing kind of moved all the way into the state of Tennessee (laughs) with the Tennessee Titans. And what else is new? I mean. What else is actually new? I mean, it's the first game of the season. And where have we heard this before? One of the season, at home, a lot of optimism about the football team, at least to a degree. Maybe, you know, this season tempered down a little bit. But going to a game where the Titans are pretty much looked at as a lock to win that football game, you look up and Tennessee Titans lose the football game there the, at the end of the fourth quarter. But actually, last season, I'm talking about last season's opening game as well against the Arizona Cardinals, where and that game uh, was over probably at halftime, actually, because Arizona just throttled <laughs> the Titans last season. Kyler Murray and company went off. And it was kind of the jump start of Arizona having an unbelievable start to the season last year and then of course they just fell off the cliff there at the end of the season and didn't even make the playoffs but the Titans again I don't know what it is with this football team where when you expect this team to really uh, do well and expect this team to win a football game or whatever they, they, they throw up a dud but then and we're going to see if it holds true this time when they play a juggernaut, when they play, you know, a team that people think are going to go to the Super Bowl, they step up and they do the unexpected and win the football game. A lot of times in dramatic fashion, just like they did against the Rams last season. So, <laughs> losing 21-20 to 20 to the Giants last Sunday was not in the cards. And it's a game where... Again, they they got out thirteen to nothing, and we and you start to really feel good about where this team was, except for the fact that you felt like thirteen to nothing probably should have been more like twenty three nothing or twenty four nothing because uh, the Titans had pretty much controlled the football game defensively. They were having their way with Daniel Jones uh, and and the Giants. Saquon Barkley was pretty quiet, so. You know things were looking pretty good, but again, it's, it's it, it we're not able to put a team away, and so the Giants get that big, get that long pass um, 
to uh to Shepard and, and it was a play where Christian Fulton really misjudged man he I think he got uh, kind of got caught watching Daniel Jones a little bit too hard on a play fake or something like that Christian Fulton got completely turned around and Shepard was wide open and made that score actually that was the second touchdown that the Giants had so it was already 13-6 to at that point and that actually uh tied the game up right there and so you knew it was game on it from that point then of course then after right the, immediately after that touchdown though the titans came down and scored the touchdown so he's like okay well maybe everything's gonna be cool they go back up 20 to 13 and then they kind of get stagnant again offensively and then saquon barkley just decided to just go off he had that big 65 yard run i think it was there uh the giants end up scoring that touchdown with the touchdown pass from Jones to Myrick the tight end and then uh, they decided to go for two which I thought was a I thought was a really good decision I probably would have done the same thing the Titans really had the play snuffed out in the backfield but uh, could not hold on to Saquon Barkley who had himself a game on Sunday and actually you know I'm glad to see it to be honest with you but Saquon gets into the end zone gets a two-point conversion and uh, again, like I said, I'm, I'm really glad to see Saquon back. I think a lot of people are. Uh, the dude's talent is immense, and uh, we haven't really gotten to enjoy a lot of it in the NFL, man. Here, that one season, maybe, and since then, for about two seasons or more, this dude's been kind of on and off the injured list and everything. So it's good to have him back, despite watching him run all over my my favorite football team like that on last last Sunday or whatever. So anyway, you get it to 21-20 right there with the two-point conversion. And then you say, well, you know, nothing. I mean, I, I was really confident with the way Tannehill. I thought Tannehill played pretty well. Uh, not perfect, but I thought he played pretty well. I, I had no doubts that the, the Titans were going to get in position to get the game-winning field goal. They did just that. And, of course, Bullock missed the field goal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, you know, look. <laughs> I mean, what else What else did you think was going to happen? <laughs> there was no way that Bullock was going to make that field goal. There was no way. I knew he was going to miss it. While I knew that the Titans would get in position to actually kick the field goal, I knew he was going to miss it. it. I mean, and it's just, man, it's just one of those things that happens. I mean, it always seemingly happens with Tennessee Titans. So, again, and, and, and I think you have to go back to a lot of really questionable play calling. Todd Downing and that crew, I, I just, I, I'm, not, I'm not really understanding what we saw there on Sunday afternoon, man. And then and I think it really came to a culmination. I could go, I could pick apart several plays, but the number one play, third and one. Now you're talking about in the middle of the fourth quarter. You're trying to put this game away. You're up 20 to 13. You have Derrick Henry in the backfield. Third and one now. I mean, it, I hated the Swain, the tight end, number 87. I hated he couldn't get that extra yard on the second down pass. It was a really uh, kind of a screen to him from Tannehill. And he got near the marker, about a yard short. So obviously it's third down. Instead of just, you know what, we're just going to hand the ball to Derrick Henry. We're going to pound this thing up and get this yard. Or if, you know, and, and well, we're going to pound it and we're going to get this yard and move the chains. 
they decide to get cute. Now, if here's the thing. Everyone is still talking about that move right now today. If you sit there and you run Derrick Henry and he gets stuffed and he loses a couple yards, guess what? Nobody's going to sit there and really blame you for that. I'm talking about Todd Downing, the offensive coordinator. Nobody's going to blame you for that because you, you did what you, you called what everybody wanted you to call. You called the play that made the most sense at that time. If somebody misses their assignment on the offensive line and the play is blown up or whatever, you called the right play. You were, you're using your main guy. You're using your primetime guy to get a yard <laughs> in the most, uh, really was one of the most crucial times of the game. If you get that yard, more than likely you're going to put that game away and win it because all you have to do now is run more clock, make the Giants use their timeouts, and you go home victorious. No. Instead of handing it to Derrick Henry, they bring around Chiga Conquo on the uh, the rookie tight end out of Maryland on an end kind of an end around type play with the tight end. Now I will say this. I will say this in defense of Todd Downer to a degree. The play was blown up because Taylor LeJuan completely whipped his block at left tackle. I mean, I mean completely. I don't know if he even touched the guy. I think it was number ninety-three for the Giants. I don't even know if he touched it. So 93 blows the play up completely. So instead of Conquo kind of following the tackle, he has to break the run out further outside. And obviously that gives the Giants time for help. They stuff him three or four yards back. The Titans have to punt and, and the rest is history. Again, why? you know, you don't have to make that play. You don't have to get cute in that situation. Run Derrick Henry up the middle, man. <laughs> I mean... So anyway, close game and all of that. Again, like I said, I'm, I'm happy to see Saquon Barkley coming back. I'm really happy to see that. Daniel Jones had a pretty good game, I think, that, you know, again. But now positives for the Titans, big time. I mean, Kyle Kyle Phillips, big time. He had the muff punt. That was it. Everything else, Kyle Phillips was unbelievable. And I, it just gives me more confidence that this dude – is one of the going to be one of the biggest steals of the draft. This kid out of UCLA looks like he could be really special. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, obviously, this dude was a monster. The the pass rush was a monster itself. Rashad Weaver had a sack. I mean, there were a lot of positives. I mean, uh, Kevin Byard had the interception in the end zone on the wheel route to uh, Saquon. There, that was that stuff. One of the drives there late in the fourth quarter or whatever. So again, so a lot of good stuff from the defense. The biggest minus, however, giving up 238 yards on the ground. Uh, I I cannot remember the last time I've said that about Tennessee Titans defense. I I can't. Crazy. Obviously, that's got to change. That's got to get better. I, I don't know how they gave up that many yards. I mean, I understand Saquon had a really good game. They had a really good game plan for him and all of that can't give up 238 yards and then you only had 93 yourself 82 of those yards for Derrick Henry on 21 carries so a lot a lot of uh, (laughs) a lot of work to do in Nashville man with the Titans and they gotta do it pretty quick because guess what they get a chance to you know 
prove everybody wrong again. Now everybody thinks they're going to get shellacked on Monday Night Football this coming week in Buffalo. That's the only team that most people think is going to win the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> now they got a chance to <laughs> uh, rise to the occasion like they like they have done so many times. We'll see if it happens this coming Monday night. But they, man, they got a lot of work to do. Uh, moving on in the AFC South, Jacksonville Jaguars. That was a really good game to a degree, man. Jacksonville got down in that game early. Um, and then they, uh, they, I think with the help of their defense, Trayvon Walker had a uh, had a, uh, had a turnover where he, you know, he, that he forced, and they, uh, I think at that point they scored a touchdown and went up fifteen to fourteen after being down fourteen to three at one point. Uh, they had some missed opportunities early in that game, I will say. With Trevor Lawrence missing Travis Etienne on a couple pla- a couple passes, I know there was one near the goal line that he missed in that first half. Um, all of a sudden they kind of got things going a little bit. Uh, you know, and James Robinson had a pretty decent game running the football. Uh, that is going to be an interesting duo with him and Etienne. It's going to be interesting to see how that you know Etienne is more of a guy that. Uh, kind of a versatile back that's going to catch the ball a lot out of the backfield, which I think would help Trevor Lawrence. But I think James Robinson is more the hardcore runner. So it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, those carries will split up between those two. But uh, I saw some good things out of both of them, especially James Robinson the other day. But, uh, yeah, it seems like, like it just took a little bit too long for the offense to get going. They did get, again, get, they got it to 15-14, actually went up 21-14. And then the um, commanders, man, you know, did their thing after that and ended up with that 28-22 to victory. And um, they start their season 1-0 and and start, I guess, their existence as the commanders instead of the Redskins or the football team at 1-0 and as well. Uh, we move on to the other two teams in the conference there in the the AFC South, and they played each other, the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. And again, another, I mean, again, I guess maybe I should have started that. Maybe I should have started there with the, uh, (laughs) since I started in Texas with the, my first uh, segment and everything, should have just moved right into that one, but that one didn't turn into a loss. It was a big time surprise, I think, for most people seeing the Texans go up 20 to 3 in that football game. 20 to 3, the Colts were down and and you're sitting there looking at Twitter. Everybody was unloading <laughs> on Frank Reich, on Matt Ryan and the defense and just just everybody in between. I say everyone except maybe for Jonathan Taylor who actually had a pretty good game, but uh you just have to start wondering what in the world's going on with this team, and this is coming off the bad taste of losing to Jacksonville in that game where they could have gotten into the playoffs in Week 18 last week, last season. So everybody's going in on the Colts, man, big time, and oh, man, you know all the memes and all the jokes are flying, and then all of a sudden you look up, it's 20 to 10, and it's 20 to 17, and now it's 20 to 20, and we're going to overtime, and that's how it ended. Uh, uh, really interesting football game to say the least. Uh, that the game ended up in a tie, 
And, uh, you know, first of all, I, you know, obviously we kind of just looked at the Titans game. The Titans didn't win. <laughs> we just looked at the Jaguars game. The Jaguars didn't win. And so now we look at the other two teams in the AFC South. Neither one of them won, but they did tie. <laughs> so you got the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts tied for the lead at 0-0-1 in the AFC South. Yes, that's how crazy a weekend of football it was <laughs> here this past weekend. But uh, again, I mean, going forward, though, I mean, obviously, we're not expecting a lot out of this Texans team. Uh, you know, again, I think Davis Mills continues to come along and show that he could be the guy going forward. He, he just may be. I don't think anybody really expected that. But I think we have to come to that realization that he possibly could be the guy if he continues to progress. Uh, on the other side of things, just today, you look at Matt Ryan. He had the interception. He had uh, the fumble. Had a couple turnovers in that football game. I think ultimately everything's going to be okay with Matt Ryan, but man, that is not the best start. No question about that. Uh, you did get a good big game out of Pittman, who went over 100 yards receiving for the day. Uh, other than that, man, if you're a Colts fan, you got to be a little bit disappointed, in my opinion. Yeah, we, I mean, look, the, the Texans are going to be a tough out. We know that. We know that from last season. I mean, I don't know. Uh, obviously, they pulled off a couple big wins last season as well, and they nearly pulled this one off. So it's not a, you know, it's not a, a crime to sit there and, and be in a tie with the Texans. But at some point, man, the Colts, like I said, I saw Frank Reich's name come up quite a few times. And one of those times I was on Twitter, it was like, you know, while we were sitting here blaming Carson Wentz last year, maybe we should have been blaming Frank Wright. I don't know. Anyway, so you know, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna be the one to say it's Frank Wright, but I mean, it, it definitely gets me thinking just a little bit. I can't deny that. And now you look up after uh, coming into this tie with Houston. Now you look up, you have to go to Jacksonville, and that has been the shop of horrors. <laughs> for the Indianapolis Colts who have not won a game in Jacksonville I think it's like 14, 15 years or something like that so last season the Colts were 0-2 to start the season um, they ended, ended up 9-8 and we'll see what happens here in 2022 so very interesting start to the AFC South where you don't have a team at all winning the division the only division to do that except well, it would have been the NFC West, but the NFC West has a winner as Seattle in that crazy uh, Monday night game beat the Denver Broncos. And that you talk about bad play calling. I have no clue what the uh, Broncos coach was doing there, taking the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands to kick a 64-yard field goal in Seattle. Outside. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea what was going through his head right there. So anyway, man, that is my quick look at the AFC South. We're going to move on to the AFC South. I'm, the NFC South, that is, when Ball About the South continues.
All right, y'all, man. Ball about South continues, and we're going to get into some NFC South. Now, man, we have man, the, now the, the goings on were maybe not quite as interesting as they were in the AFC South. We had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday Night Football, and the, they really flexed their muscles against the Dallas Cowboys. And now you sit there and you look at basically what's going on in Dallas is the, the kind of annual – um, what's wrong with the Cowboys day is going on or what's wrong with the Cowboys week is going on and now a lot of people are just kind of finally realizing you know what Jerry Jones is the orchestrator of all of that <laughs> all of the dysfunction within the Dallas Cowboys uh, organization just about all of it belongs to Jerry Jones in some sort of way I don't care how you look at it now, everybody, you know, there have been a lot of people that wanted to blame Dak Prescott in the in the past, and they wanted to blame uh, Ezekiel Elliott. He hadn't turned out to be here in the last couple of seasons what we thought he was going to be. They wanted to blame it on this guy. They wanted to blame it on Jason Garrett. They wanted to blame it on Mike McCarthy. Everyone except the dude where the majority of the blame really belongs, and that would be Jerry Jones. So we're in, in the middle of that right now. Is you know what? This is the annual anniversary of what's wrong with the Dallas Cowboys, and let's bash Jerry Jones week right now. Dak Prescott is injured again, and uh, it's just a mess there in Dallas. But on the other half of that football game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did their thing. They didn't really need a lot of offense. They they didn't get a lot of offense. Dallas. Um, Defensively played really well, especially Michael Parsons. That dude is uh, pretty much unreal. There's no question about that. At some points, he's kind of a one-man wrecking crew, if you ask me. But um, Tampa Bay did enough. They did enough. Um, I think you definitely look at some positives from that football game for the Buccaneers. There was a Julio Jones sighting with that. It was a nice catch there. He looked like he's going to be... Uh, if he can remain healthy, it looks like he's going to be all right. He looks like he could be Julio again. Uh, had I thought they ran the ball pretty decent there uh, for net. Um, defensively, obviously, you were really good, despite you know the shortcomings that Dallas you know may have you know kind of contributed to that. I thought the pass rush was good. Secondary played well behind them. Um, you know, again, the secondary is, for me has always been the point where that we kind of have concern about the Buccaneers because that's where they gave up a lot of their points last season. But they looked apart on Sunday night. We'll see if it continues. I think offensively, as things go on, they're going to get better. They did have Chris Godwin in the lineup to start the game. Unfortunately, he got injured again. Uh, so I'm not really sure how that's going to go. We'll see how it goes, but at least, you know, you had a a sighting with Julio Jones. And if you can put him up with Mike Evans and a couple of other guys that they have in that run game, I think Tampa Bay will be okay offensively. Uh, So we'll see. Um, Blake Mayfield, I'm sorry, the Baker Mayfield Bowl went down in Charlotte with the Cleveland Browns. Visiting the uh, Carolina Panthers, 
Cleveland comes back with a late score there in that football game to win it. Kareem Hunt had a really good game for the Browns, but uh, you look at uh, the goings-on there for the Panthers. Now, obviously, it starts with Mayfield. Had a decent game, but uh, again, obviously not quite enough. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had one touchdown in the football game on uh that was kind of early in the game. I think it was the first score, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And uh, but again, the the, Br- the Browns were just a little bit too much. Uh, the fans were scored there, I guess, with around two minutes or so, two and a half minutes to go in the game, somewhere in that range, and left. Uh, uh, they left them a little bit too much time. No question about it. Jacoby Brissett. Again, this dude is not spectacular or anything like that, but he just kind of gets the job done. He is what you want your backup guy to be. And, you know, again, and this is the reason why a lot of people think the Browns are going to be just fine this season or could be just fine this season because Jacoby Brissett is going to, he can win a couple football games for you. They're sitting there. You know, at 500 or so. Uh, of course, now the, the uh, Deshaun Watson suspension getting, you know, going to 11 games versus to what it was before six games changes the dynamic a lot. But you know, still, if 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 Deshaun Watson comes back there in Week 12 or whatever it is, and he's ready to play, and this team is sitting there. What five and six or six and five or whatever it is or six and four, which is possible, then this team could still very well be a playoff team. And I think Jacoby Brissett has enough weapons out there. The running game is good enough with Chubb and Hunt to do that. So we'll see how it goes. Nothing spectacular, but that's good enough. And you go out and they get a road win. A huge road win against the Carolina Panthers. And the other game there in the division, man, obviously the Dirty Birds going up against who dat. What a game it was. What a game it was. And it's another edition of the Falcons blowing a big leap, man. And what else is new? Again, now it wasn't 28 to 3 this time, but uh Man, 23 to 10, they're in the fourth quarter, and you're starting to really feel good about the Falcons' chances. Big time. And then here comes Jameis Winston. <laughs> here comes Michael Thomas. Uh, here comes Jarvis Landry. I think Jarvis Landry had a couple big catches. I know he had one really big catch there uh, in the fourth quarter to, that set the Saints up on a touchdown drive. And... Uh, the Saints come all the way back and they start yelling, who that think they're going to beat them Saints in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium there in Atlanta with their 27-26 victory over the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons actually did get the lead back. I mean, they the, the Saints well actually went up 26-23 to 23, uh, after the touchdown there by, I think it was the second touchdown by Michael Thomas, if I remember correctly. They go for uh, they go for two <laughs> to tie it up. Do the Saints and uh, terrible play call. Give them Mark Ingram with the direct snap, 
and <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't get in. So uh, again, another another episode of bad play calling here this past weekend in the NFL and in college football for that matter. But they end up getting the ball back again. They get the field goal after after the Falcons uh, took the you know they go up twenty six twenty four. Or they, you know, and then here comes the Saints again. Huge pass play down the sideline there to set up their game-winning field goal. 27-26, basically as time expires. And the Saints go to 1-0. And I tell you what, it was a very slow start to the game. It was really a kind of weird start to the game for the Saints, man. I mean, especially offensively, this team, for whatever reason, couldn't get nothing going. And I guess you have to uh, credit the, the Falcons' defense. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that you don't credit them at all. Obviously, they had something to do with it, but it was just really odd. It seemed like it just kind of took a little bit of time for them to really get going. And then they finally got to crunk up there in the fourth quarter. Uh, Jameis Winston, again, I mean, this dude is, is really starting to come on. And we talked about it uh here in my preview show, we talked about it last season before the injury, before the ACL injury. This dude was not, I mean, maybe he wasn't spectacular because he didn't have the guys to throw the football to. But this dude, man, <laughs> he was just getting it done and he was not turning the ball over. And that's basically what you saw this past Sunday. It was the same thing. The defense, now the defense gave up some points there as well, though. I mean, uh, I think the Falcons were a lot more successful with Mariota running that kind of read option and everything. I think they were a little bit more potent than we expected them to be. But, again, I think when they needed to make plays, the Saints defense was there. And I think that's what you're going to see the rest of the season. I think the Saints defense is going to be just fine. Will Jameis Winston continue to be the guy that we saw in the fourth quarter? And not the guy that we saw in the first two and a half quarters or maybe three quarters. Again, it wasn't bad. It just it just really just was kind of ineffective there in Atlanta on, on this past Sunday. So, again, it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes with the New Orleans Saints. Um, so, and then now you look ahead to this coming weekend. The Saints get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Dome this coming weekend. And obviously, that's going to be a huge game. I have, Again, I have these two teams at the top of this division. I don't think there's any question about that. Again, like I said, I, I would not be surprised at all if the Saints win this division. I feel uh, a little bit better toward Tampa Bay winning this division from what I saw Sunday. But again, we're just talking about one game. And again, we know this is overreaction Monday, over the, the week of overreactions, the first weekend of the NFL is over with and the, the reactions are rampant. We know that. But I think there's a lot of reason to really you know, start to believe in Tampa Bay a little bit more than we already believe in this football team. So, again, it, yeah, we'll see how this thing goes. I think it's a very, very interesting early season matchup between those two teams. And, again, we'll look at that game again next week. Uh, here on Ball About the South. I'll give my prediction on that game on how I think it'll turn out a little bit later in the show. So, again, action-packed on um, both the AFC South and the AFC South. Huge weekend, to say the least. And, uh, 
and we off and running here in the NFL, man. I think just looking at a couple of other really quick games in the NFC, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. I picked the Vikings to win that division. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I did. I'm sorry. I picked the Vikings to be a wild card in that division, but I thought that they would beat the Packers this past Sunday. I think the Packers will get it together and uh, probably still win that division, but not from what we saw the other day. The Vikings were in full control of that game from from start to finish, and uh, the Vikings put out notice that this team is going to be something to deal with. With you sit there, you sit there, you look at that team with Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen on the outside. You think about Dalvin Cook. If those guys are able to stay healthy for Kirk Cousins, the defense looked really good against Green Bay. Again, that Packers offense, I don't know if they've identified a um, number one receiver yet for Aaron Rodgers. I think that's part of their issue right now. But, uh, again, I think that defense in Minnesota is going to be good enough. And those uh, skill players, they they stay healthy for Kirk Cousins. That team is going to be tough to beat. Really like what I saw from the Minnesota Vikings. Um, the Thursday night game. I have not talked about that game. <laughs> Blowout city for the Buffalo Bills in L.A. And I'm not really – I'm not surprised at all. I thought Buffalo would win the football game. I'm a little bit surprised that they won it 31 to 10. They won it by three touchdowns. I'm a little bit surprised by that one. Uh, the Rams got a lot to sort out. There's no question about it. But again, we've seen this from the Rams before. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll still come out. They'll win the NFC West. And uh, really, I guess no harm, no foul in losing that game because the team that they we expect them to battle it out for in the West lost as well. The San Francisco 49ers losing in the rain in Soldier Stadium, in Soldier Field to the Chicago Bears, which obviously was one of the bigger upsets of the weekend as well. 19-10, to 10, not a good start to the Trey Lance era there in San Francisco. Again, it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Now, so anyway, a lot going on around the National Football League. We'll get into some predictions and my game balls here in my last segment but now we're gonna take a quick break come right back we're gonna go around the sec when ball around when ball about the south continues all right y'all ball about the south continues and before we get into my around the SEC segment. Let's get into uh, a little bit of the HB- HBCUs from last weekend. Obviously, the biggest game on the calendar was uh, Jackson State and Tennessee State there uh, in the Southern Heritage Classic there in Memphis, Tennessee uh, at the Liberty Bowl. We'll get into that one in just a second. I want to start off with what I feel like was the coolest thing, maybe. There were a couple cool, really a lot of cool things that I saw last week, okay? Don't get me wrong. And one of those was Mr. Albert Pujols hitting his 697th home run. Don't think, you know, you know I could not forget that. Uh, you know, passing A-Rod, going into fourth place in the uh, home run, uh, on the home run list behind Babe Ruth. And now I'm just hoping that he can get to 700 at this point, man. I'm just really hoping that he can. That was obviously a cool moment, but I think an even cooler moment was the Alabama State 
mighty marching hornets marching into the Rose Bowl last weekend. Now, uh, and it's the first time I, you know, as I was looking at it, I was like, because I knew Alabama State was going out to play UCLA at the Rose Bowl. I knew that. I knew there was no question in my mind that that was the first time Alabama State had ever been there, probably more than likely in HBCU period. I'm not quite sure on that part. But I do know it was the first time that an HBCU band played inside the Rose Bowl. Now, we've had HBCU bands play at the Rose Bowl Parade. And obviously, that's very cool. Okay, don't get me wrong. But for the mighty marching hornets with the, you know, stingettes and the honeybees, I mean, the full band to march there at the Rose Bowl, I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool as hell. I just did. And I and it was you know I was proud to see uh, those dudes and those ladies from Montgomery, Alabama, just down the road here on I-65, go out to the Rose Bowl and show out the way that they did. And if you didn't see their performances, uh, they're on YouTube and uh, and they showed out, to say the least, as they usually do. There's no surprise in that. But here's why another reason that I bring it up: Deion Sanders made some more comments, and and rightfully so um, about the payouts that HBCUs receive when they go play these money games against FBS teams or Power 5 teams or whatever compared to when other teams of other conferences go out and play the same types of games. Now you sit there and you look at it just this past weekend Appalachian State which adds insult to injury Appalachian State gained $1.5 million for that victory that they they pulled out there in College Station, Texas last week. $1.5 million, which is incredible, okay? Now, and I, I thought I thought that was wrong when I heard it. I thought I heard it wrong, but I heard it right. $1.5 million. And I didn't I don't think their band was there. I'm pretty actually I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Now, I'm sure that UCLA probably footed the bill for Alabama State's, um, the Marching Hornets to uh, fly out to L.A. And I mean, because it looked like the entire band to me. I mean, you know, and uh, so I'm sure that they probably footed the bill. Obviously, I know that a lot of people are going to say, well, you know what, they're, they're just using us for our, their, um, their entertainment or whatever. Well, okay, whatever. I still think there was a major positive for those those kids to go out there and play in front of that crowd. I mean, and it was a bigger, thank goodness it was a bigger crowd than it was in UCLA's first home game. Uh, so it wasn't 1,500 people there. It was, it was a pretty decent crowd there for that football game. So I thought it was cool, man. For the first time in HBCU band to play inside that stadium, for me, that was a positive. So there, for as, you know, again, but you see HBCUs not getting the payout that an Appalachian State got when they went to Texas A&M, and that is a, that was a problem. And, and I don't blame Dion for bringing it out at all. I think that is uh, something that needs to be discussed. Um, so I, you know, again, that that needs to be changed. But again, the 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 entire the bigger part of the argument is should HBCUs still be playing these types of games and, and the, while there are a lot of negatives 
and a lot of reasons why they probably shouldn't play them, I can give you several reasons just about every time why they still should play them. And that was one of them this past Saturday. So I just wanted to point that out, man. I just thought it was extra cool that the mighty Marching Hornets did their thing inside the Rose Bowl on Saturday afternoon. And uh, my kudos to them. Uh, Alabama State ended up losing the game 45-7. to They did cover, though. But, um, you know, hey, it is what it is as far as that part goes. But I, th- I thought it was cool, man. Anyway, let's get into that Her- Southern Heritage Classic. Tennessee State and Jackson State. Tennessee State of the Ohio Valley Conference. Uh, last season, they lost that game 38-16 to the Jackson State Tigers. Um, this year was a lot more defensive-minded game. Jackson State out of the swack, of course, winning the game 16-3, to late touchdown there. We're talking about a tight uh, one-score game, 9-3 to there in the fourth quarter, but they get a Shadur Sanders touchdown, and they uh, kind of put the game away. At 16 to 3, Shadur Sanders had a pretty good game. 30 for 44, passing the football, 276 yards. Uh, top receiver, uh, uh, top running back, I'm sorry, of the game, Sivion Wilkerson. He had 81 yards on the ground. Uh, so he had, you know, kind of a little bit of balance going on, I guess you could say, but uh, really a lot of shooting themselves in the foot. Is what you saw in that football game. Uh, several times, Jackson State was able to get the ball in scoring range and uh, were aimed at, well, well, were unsuccessful in doing so, or they had to settle for field goals. Uh, Tennessee State, on the other hand, really, they never really threatened um, as much. I mean, you had their quarterback, Draylon Ellis, 10 of 24, only 130 yards passing in the, in the football game, 138 yards, I'm sorry, passing in the game. Uh, their big-time running back, Devon Starling, only 70 yards on 18 carries. So I would say, when you look at it from that standpoint, the Tigers of Jackson State held him pretty well in check, and that was a big key in that football game, I would say. Starling has always been one of the better running backs in the HBCU ranks and in the FCS, and um, he kind of had a, a slow day on Saturday. So again, uh, Jackson State gets the win, uh, sixteen to three. They go to two and zero. Tennessee State, man, they go to zero and two. Uh, but you can see where things are going with this football team. Uh, they lost their first game to Eastern Washington. Now I don't know a lot about this particular Eastern Washington football team, I mean, the 2022 version, but I know in the past this has been a really good football team. So, even though it was a loss, I'm not going to sit here and say it was a bad loss at all. So, you know, they're sitting 0-2, but I think there's reason for optimism there. The thing that's got to happen sooner or later, the offense has got to get better, obviously. Uh, Got to get more uh, consistent player quarterbacks uh, position there. I mean, look at last week against Eastern Washington. Starling went for 25 carries, 207 yards, had a touchdown. Draylon Ellis had 22 carries for 82 yards. Jackson State shut all of that down on Saturday night. It's got to become more consistent for Eddie George there in Nashville with the Tennessee State Tigers. So, 
we'll see how things go. But I think defensively, you know, we talked about them defensively last season. Um, I think that was definitely the strong point of this football team, and it continues to be so for, so far right now. And I say the same thing for Jackson State. I mean, this defense is is incredible. It, it just really is, and uh, they're going to be a force to reckon with in the swag as we go forward. All right, y'all. So we're going to again. That was for me the biggest things that I saw in the HBCU ranks last week. Really good stuff. A lot of big games coming up this coming weekend we'll get into tennessee state travels to middle tennessee that should be an interesting game fbs game of course and then jackson state uh plays another set of tigers in grambling state this coming saturday all right y'all let's go around the sec for a quick minute man as we'll go back in time to last saturday and we'll go in ahead in time to this coming saturday to the uh, slate of games. Again, we talked about the Texas A&M and the Alabama games. Um, so we got those out of the way. The bigger games, there, you know, really the, a lot of people were pointing to the Alabama-Texas game as being the biggest game of the weekend. That wasn't true. Biggest game of the weekend was in Gainesville, Florida, especially if you're an SEC fan. Uh Kentucky Wildcats traveling down to Florida obviously is huge because again we've talked about this many times before we all I think would agree that the Georgia Bulldogs are the cream of the crop in the SEC East and maybe in the entire SEC but what which team comes right behind them and I think again we're talking about a battle of three teams I would say the Florida Gators, the Kentucky Wildcats, and the Tennessee Volunteers. So obviously those two teams, two of those three teams met last week in the Swamp. And uh, Kentucky did what I thought they would do as far as playing the way I thought they would. I thought they would lose a close football game. I thought, that, you know, I kind of probably would have guessed the score about right. But I was thinking Florida would kind of win another tight game like they did against Utah with a late field goal, something like that, 23-20, to 20, somewhere in that range. Kentucky would be ultra-competitive, and, um, you know, but Florida would find a way to win. That was my thought. Kentucky was the team that found a way to win on Saturday night, and you have to give kudos to Mark Stoops and that football team. I mean, this dude, man, you sit there and you think about the job that Mark Stoops has done there in Lexington. And, you know, it, it is it is just incredible. And, I mean, for me, the you know, everybody wants to talk about, well, okay, I'm not really excited about Kentucky. I don't know about this team because I don't know about them, the quarterback, Will Levis. I mean, there are a lot of people that really like this guy. I'm, I'm one of those guys. But there are a lot of people that, question him or whatever I, and I don't see the consistency I don't see the this and you know Kentucky's more really of a running team which in a lot of ways is true and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Will Levis lit it up last week and won the game for them necessarily but for me the thing that was more impressive than saying okay Will Levis did this or the passing game did that or you know whatever it's the fact that they they made the plays when they had to make them. When they needed to move the chains, they did it. When they had to get those turnovers, they had they got the pick six. 
when they had to get those turnovers, they got it. We've seen Kentucky teams in the past. The difference from in the in this Kentucky team or in or in the Kentucky teams of this season and the last couple of seasons and those of the past where they were good enough to win games, they just didn't do the things they needed to do to actually win. And so, I mean, they could hang all day long. They couldn't they couldn't get over the hump. And now they're winning those games. And again, you can say all you want to about Anthony Richardson and, and, and Richardson and his performance this past Saturday night, which was not good. It was not a good follow-up to what was a pretty good performance against Utah in week one. It was not. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, you just have to sit there and, and take this thing um, and, and just really look at it um, pretty a little bit deeper than that. I mean, this Kentucky team, man, they are tough. They are just, uh, and that's that's what I like about them. They're they're not a team that's going to wow you or whatever. They're not going to sit there and uh, you know you're not going to turn them on to see uh, Patrick Mahomes like passing or offense. You know, you know not going to light the scoreboard up or whatever, but they're just going to play the game the way it's supposed to be played. They're going to be fundamental. They're going to hit you. They run the football. They're physical. And you sit there and you look at that, man. For me, that that <laughs> that wins you a lot of football games, in my opinion, without having to be all uh, glitzy and glamour and all that. And that's where this football team is right now. I mean, on the other side of the ledger, you look at Florida. I mean, again, Anthony Richardson looked the part against Utah. But again, like we said last week, I mean, like that was Utah. I mean, again, I think Utah was a good football team, but I think Kentucky's better. (laughs) I think they proved that for the most part. I mean, you know, I would love to see Kentucky and Utah do battle. That would probably be a pretty good game. But I think Kentucky is the better team. And I thought, really, Kentucky was the better team than Florida coming into this football game. I thought them uh, moving up to 12 or whatever it was in the rankings was much too fast. I just, again, I, I think, like I said, you have to pump the brakes on some of these things, man, because... And, you know, we've seen teams win games like Florida won against Utah before. We've seen it happen before. They win a big game, and then they might win another one, but sooner or later they're going to fall off. And actually, they fell off the very next week. And, you know, this Florida team, we talked about it. The depth is not there. This is not a 9, 10, 11 win football team. They might get to 8, maybe. They may get, and I'm I'm thinking probably it's going to be 7. And that's what we that's why I predicted them a couple weeks ago. Nothing changed with that just because they beat Utah. So, um, another big game in the conference last weekend, Arkansas hosting the South Carolina Gamecocks. And Arkansas had some problems with them early, uh, for a good while. They ended up winning the game forty four to thirty, but uh again, they gave up thirty points to South Carolina. Now again, I'm big on the, the Razorbacks. I still think they're the second best team in the West. Uh, I think that was more, probably more <laughs> more confirmed 
last uh, last Saturday with A&M's loss. At least right now. Again, I'm not going to say that uh, that it's definite that Arkansas is the number two team behind Alabama, but I think that is the case. And we're going to find out here in a couple weeks. We're going to see Texas A&M and the Razorbacks do battle there at Jerry's World. That is going to be a big-time football game. Uh, but again, I think Arkansas, again, they, they're finding ways to score the ball. KJ, KJ Jefferson looks the part so far. Everyone was talking, you know, is he going to miss Traylon Burks? I haven't seen a lot of him missing that dude just yet. But again, the, the schedule will continue to uh, <laughs> to increase this, the, the, uh, the, the intensity the difficulty will, will continue to increase. We are at Alabama coming up in a couple of weeks for Arkansas again. Now, that is a game I think a lot of people have looked over as far as, you know, a possible obstacle for Alabama. That game is in Fayetteville. Now, Arkansas only lost by a touchdown to Alabama last year in Tuscaloosa. So... <laughs> Uh, that could be a really juicy football game, but Arkansas has uh, a couple tough games before they get to that point. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so, the other big game, the other really marquee game of the weekend, the Tennessee Volunteers, they get their revenge. 34-27 victory over the Pittsburgh Panthers there at whatever they call the stadium. <laughs> now it used to be Heinz Field as some kind of insurance company field or something now I don't know but anyway uh, Hendon Hooker 325 yards throwing the football last week two touchdowns obviously Cedric Tillman this dude continues to do his thing nine receptions on 18 targets 162 yards yeah they're going to be tough to stop they're going to be tough to slow down uh, they Pittsburgh, they got, well, Tennessee got down early in that game, 10 nothing. They fought their way back, took the lead, and then gave it up, unfortunately. They're uh, late, went to um, end up going to overtime, and then they win it with the touchdown pass there in, in the first overtime. And they stopped Pittsburgh on the ensuing drive, and then they come back to Knoxville winners. And again, they, got the, they get their revenge on Pittsburgh for that loss to Kenny Pickett and the Panthers last season in Knoxville. So, huge win for Tennessee. We'll see how what, you know, comes of that, man. You know, again, in, the, in that fight for that second spot behind Georgia. Tennessee, Kentucky, I don't know, I'm not, you know, I think maybe Florida may have uh, eliminated themselves this past weekend. We'll see how it goes, but again, really good football there. I'm with the Tennessee Volunteers, and they've got some huge games coming up as well. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's the SEC. That's the way it goes. And, uh, you know, they get Akron this week, but then they get right back into the SEC next week with the Florida Gators coming to Knoxville. So, and then that, you know, that kind of starts a three-game stretch. Florida at home, LSU on the road. Then they welcome the Crimson Tide the weekend after that. Anyway, so a lot going on in the SEC ranks. One thing I want to say, man, before I uh, close out this around the SEC segment. Uh, when you sit there and you look at this thing, 
the Sun Belt Conference, man. I, I want to commend them. I want. I think a lot of people need to give <laughs> this conference a lot more respect than that they're, than they're giving it. You sit there and you look and see what they did last week with Georgia Southern going to Nebraska and winning that football game. Obviously, we talked about Appalachian State doing what they did at Texas A&M this past weekend. And then, of course, there was Marshall, a new Sunbelt team out of Conference USA, going to uh, and doing that thing to Notre Dame. Uh, this conference, man, has set themselves up really well. They really have. And, and I think in a number of different ways. Not only do they have really good football. I mean, you sit there, there are really good teams in this league. And, and that's, it's been that way for a good while now. This, it's not, this is not just starting. But it's not only that, but they are in a point where they've really kept themselves regionalized as far you know, the geographics. They, it, it, it makes sense more than a lot of the other leagues that we're looking at. And I think that's a big thing. And then they, they've done it when, you know, teams were picked here and, you know, uh, picked there and gotten teams out of conferences and gotten, you know, teams have left conferences or gone to other conferences or whatever. And they've done an excellent job of that. And I just want to uh, give them props, man, because I don't think very many people are going to do that around the nation. And they deserve it. They deserve it big time. And there are a lot more teams in that league than just the three that pulled off upsets the other day. We've seen uh, James Madison has been a team that's pulled off upsets before. We've seen Old Dominion pull off a few upsets. Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns have done it. Uh, uh, Troy has done it before. You sit there and you look through this league. Louisiana Monroe, they play Alabama the last time Alabama lost to a non-conference opponent. 2007, Nick Saban's second season, Louisiana Monroe was the team that did it. <laughs> so, I mean, I just want to give my props to that league. Man. Big time, big time uh, th- things going on there in the Sun Belt Conference. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, give you my game balls from last week, give you a couple predictions on a couple of games coming up this week and close out the show. When Ball About the South continues. All right, y'all. Ball About the South continues, and we're going to close out the show with this last segment. And we're going to go into my game balls first, and then we'll close it out with, with a couple picks of some of the action, some of the games coming up this coming weekend. But let's go back again to last weekend, and we're going to do our HBCU game ball, our Southeastern Conference or SEC game ball, and then we'll give one for the NFL, uh, kind of, you know, my best player or uh, primetime player, so to speak, of the NFC or AFC South. So let's kind of take a look at this thing for the HBCUs, man. I'm going to go back to the South Carolina State Bethune-Cookman game. And for my game ball, I'm going to go with Kendrell Flowers. Kendrell Flowers, the running back out of South Carolina State University. This dude had himself a game against Bethune-Cookman. 16 rushes, 153 yards. And I don't have to tell you, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that good at math, but that's pretty close to 10 yards per carry 
all day long. As a matter of fact, it's 9.6 yards per carry. He had two touchdowns in that football game that South Carolina State beat Bethune-Cookman 33-9. Big-time win for South Carolina State. The Bulldogs, they look to get back to the Celebration Bowl, a game that they won last year over Jackson State. Going to the SEC, a little bit tougher, man. Um, But while I I could have gone a number of different places, I looked at uh, Raheem Patterson running back there at uh, Arkansas, had a really good game against South Carolina, but I settled in on Kedron Smith, the defensive back from the University of Kentucky. He had that big pick six, took it back 65 yards, and that turned out to be basically the difference in the football game there is the uh, Kentucky Wildcats beat Florida 26-16. All around a good game for that defense. Obviously, uh, they really shut down Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson, after he had such a good game against uh, Utah, Kentucky came and shut down. All of that, as we spoke of earlier in the show, Keaton Smith is my game ball for the SEC. And we go to the NFL. Could have gone a couple different places, but I tell you, <laughs> it's a little bit difficult coming up with a game ball for a couple of divisions, the NFC and AFC South, where only two teams won their games. <laughs> so uh, I could have gone a number of places. I thought about Leonard Fournette in that Tampa Bay-Dallas game. We had 127 yards rushing. A really good game for him. But I decided on Jameis Winston. I thought that was the game of the weekend within the NFC South and the AFC South. Went right down the wire there inside the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And Jameis Winston, man, brought those guys back. Uh, You can sit there and kind of, you know, kind of criticize him a little bit for the start that they got off to. I'm not going to say it was his fault necessarily, but the the Saints definitely got, you know, kind of in neutral offensively early in the game, but they figured it out there in the second half, especially there in the fourth quarter. And James was on and uh, did not throw an interception. Was sacked four times. That is a concern going forward for this this Saints ball club. Uh, There's no question about that. But when they had to have the plays, Jameis made those throws. And that is the biggest thing about it. And he gets my game ball for the uh, week one in the NFL. So those are my game balls, man. Kendra Flowers of South Carolina State gets my HBCU game ball. Keaton Smith, defensive back from the Kentucky Wildcats, gets my SEC game ball. And famous Jameis Winston gets the game ball from the NFL. All right, moving on, man. Um... Uh, before I get in, look ahead into the games coming up this weekend in the college ranks and the NFL, I have to touch base really quick on the WNBA. What a weekend um, the Las Vegas Aces had going up two games to O. First two games there in Las Vegas. They had a little bit of trouble there in the first game, only winning the uh, first game 67-64, kind of a low-scoring game. The Aces got off to a quick start, led by 12 early, but Connecticut would not go away, and they ended up making that a ball game this past Sunday and before going down 67-64. Then you fast forward to game two. The Aces definitely took control of that one early as well, and they pretty much kept control throughout, uh, winning that game by double digits. So that led us to Thursday night 
and the Aces traveling to Connecticut face the Sun, and the Sun definitely got a little bit of that revenge back, uh, beating the Aces by double digits, leading that game by as many as 20 in that game, uh, early in that game. The Aces got back into it, cut it to six or eight on two or three occasions, but could get no closer. So now the series is at two, two games to one, and we're going to go to game four in Connecticut on Sunday afternoon. The Sun are not going away, and we'll see if they can even this thing up and force a uh, series deciding game five, which would be uh, really good. I, I knew the series would be really good. I thought it would be Chicago Sky being in there. Connecticut surprised me on that. And uh, we'll see who comes out on top, man. Uh, the Aces... I think are going to be able to do it. Not sure they'll win game four, but I believe they'll win one of the next two and win the go-ahead and win the title. But I said the same thing about this time a couple weeks ago or last week about the Chicago Sky. I said, ah, they'll be all right. They'll they'll figure a way to win one of those games <laughs> and, and put away the Connecticut Sun, and they never won either one of those games. And now the Sun are in the finals and the uh, Chicago Sky with Candace Parker and that crew have gone fishing. (laughs) Anyway, we'll see how it turns out. We'll definitely be talking about that game, that match, those two matchups, game four and possible game five next week on Ball About the South. Anyway, man, let's move on to the games coming up this weekend in the college and NFL ranks. The first game for me in the SEC, one of the bigger games. Uh, got some big games. Got a couple big games. We'll start off with that game in Auburn. Penn State, the Nittany Lions come calling. Their first time going to Auburn. Now, they've been, been to the state of Alabama plenty of times. I mean, I was when I was growing up, I remember Penn State came down here and played Alabama on a few occasions. Um and then they were here not, yeah, I guess, what, 2012 or so when they played Alabama. Uh, they had a home-and-home home series 2011 to 2012 or whatever. But the, the Nittany Lions have never been to all. So it's their first trip there. It's going to be an interesting game. I mean, last year was a very interesting game. that went down to the wire. Bo Nix and that crew could not quite get back in that game. They went down a couple scores. They ended up losing it by a field goal. I expect the same type of game this time around in Auburn. And to be honest with you, uh, the dialogue that I am seeing on, you know, in the media, social media, that is, um, you know, TV networks, ESPN, all that, that it's, it's almost like Auburn doesn't have a shot in this football game. And I'm just, you know, I'm kind of wondering what have we seen out of Penn State so far in two games that gives us that notion. Again, I'm not saying Penn State not, is not going to win the game. I'm not saying that they're not a really good football team. I'm not saying any, either of those things. They're ranked 22nd in the country. Uh, I definitely think they could possibly be a player uh, in that Big Ten if, they, if things go right for them. I'm not going to, you know. Obviously, them being in the same division with Ohio State and Michigan, that's going to be kind of tough. But uh, I'm not. It wouldn't surprise me to see Penn State win a couple big games in that division, and it would not surprise me to see them win this game in Auburn on Saturday. However, I'm going to have to lean with Auburn, man. Uh, they come to this game a two and a half point underdog. Now, again, now 
while I sit here and say <laughs> I don't see uh, why people are not giving Auburn a shot and giving you know Penn State all the love, I can sit there and flip it around and say I don't Auburn really hasn't shown me anything you know where I should be giving them any love either. I mean they just beat San Jose State 24-16 over the weekend and they they trailed at halftime. It was a tough ball game, and they had to kind of uh, grind out a victory against San Jose State. So, you know, whether they were looking kind of looking ahead to this Penn State game, I can't really say. I'm not saying, you know, obviously you have to give San Jose State a lot of credit for that as well. But, uh, you know, so I've, I've seen nothing of Auburn that makes me think that they're better than Penn State either. But I just think them being at home and, um, you know, it's kind of the unknown for me about Penn State. Again, if I were, if I were a betting man, I kind of would probably stay away from this game. Two and a half. Again, it's the spread. Uh, Penn State giving up those two and a half points. I think that line's, pro- you know, I can understand that line. But I think they have the wrong team favorite. That is my wrong team favorite. Special of the weekend. I'm taking Auburn, the Tigers, straight up at home over the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, We move on. Another huge game in the SEC, Texas A&M. And we just got, you know, talking about them uh, in the first segment. Uh, What is that thing, what is that team going to do coming off a loss to Appalachian State, a humiliating loss to Appalachian State? They have Miami Hurricanes coming into College Station, and that is <laughs> this Miami team has a lot of momentum behind them right now. Or at least they have a lot of people talking very favorably of them, and we haven't had that in a very long time. Talking about the U, we got people talking about the U is back. <laughs> That's what I'm seeing on Twitter. I mean, now you sit there and look at it, Miami's beating Bethune Cookman. And they've beaten Southern Miss. So, again, I'm kind of stuck in that Penn State mode on this. I haven't really seen why I should sit here and put all of my belief in this thing that the U is back off of beating Bethune-Cookman and Southern Miss. And they actually kind of struggled with Southern Miss there. So, uh, you know, again, I'm I'm not feeling this thing uh, with Miami now. This is a line that's kind of... Obviously, you would, you would think A&M, despite that loss last week, would be favored at home. Uh, they are six-point favored as far as I'm seeing it right now. I would say that's about right. I think Texas A&M comes back. Again, I, I'm not saying I think they, they fix everything here in, you know, in six-day period, but I think that they uh, that humiliation, I think, will probably galvanize this team a little bit I think they'll come together and they'll find a way to win a tight one there against Miami coming up this weekend. We'll see what happens. The other two games I'm going to look at here in the SEC are two conference games. You have Mississippi State traveling to Bayou Land to Baton Rouge to play the LSU Tigers. They go in a three-point favorite. Mississippi State in the um, a nice win against Arizona, but let me over um, last weekend. But let me say this, man, about Mississippi State. <laughs> while while I, I I definitely question big time what uh, 
just what Mike Leach could really accomplish with that offense, with that air raid offense in the SEC. I definitely question that big time with him coming into the league. I still question it. I don't question it as much because I've seen it and, and it, he's had some success with it. But the the thing that, that man, just irks me to a degree when I watch that football team is when they get the lead, I mean, don't, you, don't give up, man, because they're not going to stop throwing the football. They, they, I mean, they're not. If they get up a couple scores on you, they're gonna they're gonna keep throwing it, whether it's incomplete passes, whether uh, Will Rogers throwing an interception, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it was. I'm sitting there like it, I think it was like around the nine ten minute mark where Mississippi State went up by two scores for good against Arizona last last week, and that was like, I mean, you talking about late night? I think it was like one o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting up watching that football game. And they're still throwing the football, throwing incomplete passes, clock stopping. I'm telling you right now, Arizona probably had two or three possessions that they should never have had if Mississippi State had just run the ball. <laughs> because even if, if even if they didn't get in the first down, the clock is running. But I mean, I just I mean, so if Arizona had any kind of offense, they easily could have come back and and uh, made that a ball game. But Mississippi State obviously was the better team. I just don't know if that is going to fly when we start getting into the meat of the schedule. Mississippi State, you know, playing the Arkansas and the Alabamas and even the A&Ms. And who knows, maybe this weekend against LSU and Baton Rouge. I mean, it's just something to watch for, man. This team does not stop throwing the football even if they're leading by a couple scores. They're not going to just sit there and try to melt the clock. So, again, that is one of the questions I have and this team really making a splash and maybe trying to, you know, win the division one day with Mike Leach as the head coach and maybe try to get to Atlanta. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they can do it against a good football team because all they're going to do is just keep giving them the ball back. <laughs> Unless they score. I mean, if they score, I guess it's all right. But if you're just sitting here going three and out, almost no good being up two scores. Anyway, I, you know, again, that's a uh, I think you're talking about a tight game more than likely, but I'll go with Mississippi State right now. LSU, I think, is still trying to figure them things, figure things out for themselves. They had a huge win over Southern last week, and that was cool seeing Southern's band on the field there at Tiger Stadium for the first time ever. Again, that was another cool thing, but uh, I think Mississippi State will find a way. I think. <laughs> to go in there and beat LSU this weekend. The other um, conference game, two conference schools going at each other, Georgia on the road at South Carolina. They go into that game a 25-point favorite. I I can definitely see Georgia covering that, but I would kind of be a little surprised. You see South Carolina was able to keep that thing close in Fayetteville, Arkansas last week. I kind of think they can kind of do the same thing. I think they can kind of keep this thing in the 14 to 17 point range. I look for Georgia to probably win this game somewhere uh, 34, 34, 17-34-13 somewhere in that range and they'll and maybe uh, stay under that number. 
I like South Carolina defensively enough. While although we didn't see a whole lot of defense in that game last week against Arkansas, I think that uh, South Carolina can hang in there under that 25 number. Still, I expect the Georgia Bulldogs to roll in that game. Another game, uh, probably another bigger out-of-conference game this weekend is Ole Miss at Georgia Tech. And the only reason I say that is because I still think there's question with quarterback position there at Ole Miss. I don't think Lane Kiffin's really decided yet, so we'll see how that goes. I expect Ole Miss to win the game. I mean, don't get me wrong. But uh, we'll see how Ole Miss goes going forward. The 20th-ranked Rebels going into Atlanta to play, uh, face Georgia Tech. Anyway, let's look at a couple of NFL games really quick. First, we'll start with that Sunday showdown inside the Dome in New Orleans. The Saints hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, <laughs> again, I, like I said, this is, this is what it comes down to. It's going to come down to these two teams in this NFC South. I like the Saints Sunday afternoon in the Dome. I, I think that that team got a little bit of a wake-up call there in the first half at Atlanta. Mariota was actually making some headway against that defense. I expect that defense to come back strong this weekend. I didn't see a whole lot out of Tampa Bay. I think the obviously they have the the weapons to do it. They're uh, probably going to be without Chris Godwin again this weekend and everything. But I think they definitely have you know the guys that can go out there and do it. I just think the Saints defense is going to make a big time comeback in this week on this weekend. I like the Saints to win that football game in New Orleans and, and probably the other bigger game inside the NFC and AFC South is that, that battle Monday night. The Titans heading into Buffalo. They go in right now. I'm looking at a, a 10-point dog <laughs> going into Buffalo. Uh, it would not shock me at all to see the Titans win that game. We, I just talked about it a little while ago when the Titans are down and when you think they're down and out and they come up and face a team that you think is going to just blow them away they come up and they they come up and play the game of their lives would not shock me if we see that again here Monday night in any case I still think regardless of what happens I think we're talking about a tight game the Titans have had success against Buffalo the last few meetings I like the Titans to Maybe not win the game, but I do like them to come in under that 10 points and make it a tight game on Monday night. So anyway, we'll look at all those games plus all the rest of the games, of course, when we come back here next week on Ball About the South. I want to thank you for coming in. My name is Kerry Wood. At C. Wood on Sports on Twitter and IG is where you can find me. Come hit me up. Let's chat it up. Uh, Sports and everything else, man. I'm, I'm down for it. Please like, subscribe, do all those things, and make sure Ball About the South is part of your podcast rotation on a weekly basis. Anyway, I do appreciate you coming in right now. Until next time, I am out.